And welcome to the Untold Hour. It is not really just me today. Actually, I have a special guest host. We've got Stephen Stovetop joining us today. That's not his actual name. It's not Stephen Stovetop. It's I mean, it might as well Sto- be. Might as well be. It's Stovetop. So for anybody that remembers Bizarre States, Stovetop used to work with us over there. Um, He would also come on the show and guest every once in a while, and we miss him, and we thought this would be a great opportunity. And because I am the one that finally screwed up scheduling this time, and to make up to it for Bowser, that, that was a backward sentence, to make up to Bowser for it, there we go. I told him he could focus on doing his own thing and that um, Stephen and I would have a great conversation. And Instead. I'm glad for that. Absolutely. Uh, totally miss you, dude, by the way. Yeah, miss you guys too. Yeah. So um, I have a really, part of the reason also that I was comfortable uh, doing this um, along with you is that I know you and I are both very interested in magic. I don't know how interested you are into William S. Burroughs necessarily, but I feel like that's kind of... I mean, here's the thing. I'm into... I I know that I should be into him, Mm -hmm. and I've definitely pretended I knew more about him (laughs) than I actually did when talking to people. Well... Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I am only aware, really, of Naked Lunch. So yeah. it was my favorite book, and it was also one of my favorite movies. And that's kind of where my knowledge of him and his work ends, with the mm-hmm. exception of I ended up falling into this weird kind of uh, article about him being obsessed with the occult, which I never knew about until recently, uh, which makes total sense when I look back on his previous work. And he was in it real deep. And so I thought that this would be a great combo that we could have. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I always like when you hear about someone who's like famous for a completely different thing or or just when someone you wouldn't expect maybe necessarily without having gotten too deep into someone's life beforehand. When Yeah. Like, like a Jack Parsons thing. Like I, I was having a conversation this weekend Mm-hmm. where someone was like oh yeah i live near jpl and i'm like oh jack parsons right and they're like who and i'm like so i got into it and they're like <laughs> how how does a rocket scientist believe all this i'm like that's the beauty of it yeah that's science what's so is, fun science doesn't want to talk about their redheaded step yeah. cousins they're like they're like we know you know like science is actually almost i mean listen i'm not a scientist nor am i a historian but from little things that I have read about science here and there, a lot of our inventions and, and uh, theories and whatnot all stem from a occult slash paranormal-esque or parapsychology-esque uh, like groundwork. Yeah, And then absolutely. eventually the um, weirdo theories... Uh, were tossed away and the things that actually work were kept and then we just called it science (laughs) yeah yeah it's like like there are like stories that possibly like distillation in certain countries started Mm -hmm. from alchemists trying to you know turn lead into gold and it 
led into you know one yeah. of the greatest other inventions. In I think opinion. that's how double boilers were invented. Yeah, it was like to try and do alchemy projects. Yeah, it's it's it it's so interesting because we oh, have I this. Oh. Got it right here. Ready? Oh yeah. <laughs> the name comes from let's see, uh, double boilers. The mm -hmm. uh, this is in French, so I'm gonna botch it. Despite how hard I've been working at my Duolingo French lessons of late, <laughs> uh, it's called a Bain Marie or Marie's bath. Or I'm sorry, okay. Bain Marie or Mary's bath. So the name comes from the medieval Latin term Bellinium Maria. Hmm. M-A-R-I-A-E, literally Mary's bath, from which the French Bain de Marie or Bain Marie is derived. The device's invention has been popularly attributed to an ancient alchemist. See, that's that's cool. It's like in in a hundred years, like people are gonna look back and say, mm -hmm. like, they like I always think of in uh this is gonna sound like a tangent, but it's not in Star Trek Four when when they're trying to save someone's life and bones is like the surgeons of the 80s are like we have to cut them open and they're like cut them open are, you guys are yeah. barbarians what are you talking about cut them open like it's it's going to be the same thing yeah but like i mean just like distillation the good stuff's going to make it through and yep. we'll figure it out or maybe the not good stuff and we just won't know and then it'll be fine. Like, you don't know what you're missing because yeah. you're missing it. <laughs> exactly. Like, who knows? <laughs> I'm just happy people invented painkillers because uh, having recently gone through a surgery, yeah, that would have been no fun. Like, you hear from back in the day and mm -hmm. you're like, oh, God, like going to the dentist. What a, ah, it's already bad enough. <laughs> I, I had my wisdom teeth removed and they forgot to give me painkillers for that what uh, yeah fuck? and and the kicker was like i spent like between for the week or so until my like mm. follow-up checkup i was like wow i'm just like a big baby like this hurts so much like i can't like like oh they didn't give God. me they didn't give me painkillers i must like i must just be like have no pain tolerance and i went back and they said do you want a percocet refill and i'm like a what now <laughs> they're like yeah yeah did, like we literally drilled into your jaw that's the most painful thing we do and i'm like oh cool great <laughs> yes i would if it makes you feel any better i once got hit by a car on my vespa going about yeah. 40 miles an hour and the um hospital was like here's a prescription for tylenol i'm like Oof. are you kidding me <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'm like oh I, god. I was in bed for like four days because i couldn't move and they're like here's some tylenol i'm like is my insurance not up to like? What are you telling me here? It's fucking awful. Oh, that's, that's uh, terrifying. The worst. <laughs> oh well, at least yeah. Moving on. I don't know how to transition out of that. Uh, other than that, that kind of uh, surgery sounds like something you would find in Silent Hill. Hey, Ooh. guess what? Centralia for <gasps> Weird of the Week. America's famous Silent Hill has some news coming out of it recently. So now it's time for Weird of the Week. So like I said before, Centralia is really, well, it's, it's got a very, very big history, which is pretty amazing. So I highly recommend that anybody 
who is like, huh, what's this Centralia stuff? Uh, go check out their wiki. Their wiki actually does a pretty good job of, of spelling it all out. But um, it was a coal mining town established in the 1800s, uh, which uh, is now famous for being a pretty much a ghost town. Uh, there are a few diehard residents that have remained. Uh, and it has been on fire since 1962. And scientists predict that it will continue to remain on fire for the next 200 years until the underground coal deposits uh, burn up and are finished. So this sucker is just going to keep on going. And they say at this point now, um, because of the heat and the gases escaping and the fire itself, that uh, streets have buckled, uh, highways have been, certain sections of highways have been abandoned and locked off. Um, You can actually see smoke plumes kind of coming out of the ground. And if you go for a walk or a hike in certain areas, you touch the rocks and the rocks are actually hot. Wow. Yeah, that's always like sort of what I wondered about it, like, I heard like like back when I first heard about it, it was like, oh yeah, like under underground it's burning, but I didn't realize like Yeah. You know, the heat transfer isn't that it's much. Like pretty rough. Yeah. yeah. So part of that is part of the reason why I mentioned Silent Hill is that it was actually part of the inspiration for the live action movie silent hill so mm. the town kind of mm-hmm. takes itself from that for a while the town you know some of the buildings started falling into disrepair and decay um there was a uh, church there that apparently the preacher um had gotten irritated with some of the townsfolk or i don't remember why he got mad but at some point he essentially put a supposed curse on the town which was him saying the only you guys are going to be swept up in hellfire and the only thing that is going to be remaining is going to be my church and sure enough <laughs> that kind of was yeah. the last building standing it is now gone but for the for a decent amount of time it was the last building that they had standing in there that didn't have people obviously living in it yeah Oh, that's terrifying. So, yeah, and I'm kind of bummed because I've always wanted to see it. Specifically, like I mentioned before, there's a a section of the areas of the highway have been closed off. um, Mm -hmm. And one of those basically got turned into a gigantic kind of roadside attraction where people come and draw graffiti all over this highway for miles and miles and miles. Um, However, this past April... Uh, so they kind of snuck it in this the news guy that got snuck in with all the COVID stuff so it kind of disappeared from a lot of people's radar uh it was announced that their famous graffiti highway which had kind of become this unofficial tourist area was finally being covered up uh dump trucks brought in dirt to cover up the abandoned stretch of highway 61 leaving what few residents that are left hoping that they will now be left in peace uh, Tom Hinoski, which is Centralia's borough secretary, said, and this is a quote, I mean, we are overrun with the ATVs on the weekend because a lot of people use that section of highway as an ATV road. Gotcha. Uh, he said of uh, the crowds that regularly gather for off-road trail riding adventures or to make their mark on the road or both. And the last month here, with all of the people out of work because of the coronavirus, it got totally out of control everybody's been requesting that something get done. So all of these people that were told to stay at home because of Corona all came out for this like mini road trip to go check out Centralia and hit up (laughs) Graffiti Highway. So they were just spreading it amongst themselves out there. Imagine 
Oh, going to the doctor and trying to explain the doc to the doctor that you caught COVID because you went out to a town that has been on fire since yeah. the 1960s is almost a ghost town and uh, and will be on fire for 200 years. Yeah, and the doctor's trying to figure out what the stupidest thing of those <laughs> is what like what the stupidest thing you did was. He's like, he's like I don't know what part of the story is worse. Yeah. Um. Another quote. Re- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say like it reminds me of like after it's like nowhere near the amount of destruction, but after Chernobyl came out on HBO and everyone was oh, yeah. taking those tourist pictures there and like touching the ground that you're definitely not supposed to touch and stuff like that. It's like uh, people are just attracted to, you know, dangerous things. I, I mean, don't know I get why. it. It's I'm a why homebody. We have, it's why we have this podcast, though. I mean, I would uh, like true. to go check this place out. Would You know, it's kind of... Listen, I've got limits. Do I want to go to Chernobyl or Three Mile Island? Absolutely not. <laughs> Would I have a problem going to um, going to Centralia? No, I mean not during COVID, but otherwise, no. I would I would love to, especially because of the Silent Hill angle. That's what really sells this place for me. Because you know, obviously, listen, I've seen smoke, I've seen graffiti, yeah. I've seen abandoned places. Like, what's the what's the kicker and it's the silent hill angle because that was one of my favorite gaming series of all times and yeah sold yeah that that like going to centralia would be close to my limit i'm not sure if it's past (laughs) my limit i don't know if it's just beyond my limit or just before my limit but like it's like oh yeah there's danger but not like an insane amount or Mm -hmm. i mean but if you want to go somewhere Silent Hill related, you can stay in L.A. because uh, Toluca Lake. I, that always cracks me up. That wait, what? It, the the lake in Silent Hill is called Toluca Lake, and that's oh, that's the yeah. neighborhood in North Hollywood. That's right. Uh, yeah, it cracks me up. It cracks me up every time also, when I think about there's that. There's no lake in Toluca Lake, is there? Mm-mm. No. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. When I first moved in the area and I saw that sign, I was like, huh. And I checked on my Google Maps. I'm like, where's Tol- where's the lake in Toluca Lake? And I'm like, wait, there is no lake here. Why is it called Toluca Lake? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Who knows? I mean, maybe there was once upon a time and we drained it and now a bunch of houses are there. I uh, wouldn't uh, be shocked. Yeah. Another botched art restoration has hit. A Valencia-based art collector has paid big money to have a work and I stress this in my in my <laughs> notes. I write this all in caps. A work of fine art by Bartolome Esteban Murillo, restored by and again big big letters, a furniture restorer. Like, what did you think oh was going to happen? You had a work like a painting of fine art, restored by a person that restores a furniture. Oh my god. Oh, Aristotle's popping up in regards to the last news story. He says mm-hmm. Toluca Lake is a small lake by the L.A. River. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, I Aristotle. I mean, L.A. River is also a yeah, misnomer that's as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> There's parts. There's parts I mean, that look river-esque. Not the part that's I can see from my window. <laughs> yeah, that part, not so much. That part, not so much. That looks like a skate park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With a lot of trash in it. 
Um, but yeah, so uh, so Toluca Lake is a place apparently. And then also, yes, this guy, whoever this art collector is, and they didn't name him in the article that I looked at, but he apparently paid for a, a work of fine art, an actual painting uh, from this that was in the Spanish Baroque style to be restored by a furniture restorer. Needless to say, the Ooh. restoration is a complete disaster, and the collector is left with this immaculate conception painting looking as if a five-year-old painted it it's so bad it is so bad we will absolutely it's so it's it's it it actually angers me a little bit like what 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 were you thinking um needless to say if you haven't seen this (laughs) picture yet by the time that this um podcast goes live we will have all of these in our show notes on our facebook group um so yeah, this is uh, other famous botched paintings and restorations that have happened in the recent past is that 2012, uh, do you remember the elderly, because we were definitely recording for Bizarre States for this, but uh, an elderly parishioner attempted to restore a fresco of Jesus Christ at her local church in uh, Zaragoza, and that yes. it has now been called, because of how it looks, the monkey Christ. Yes. Yeah. It does look like a little it's, capuchin. Like, it does. But like that was like just an, if I'm remembering that one correctly, that was just like a normal lady who was trying to do yeah. like a good deed, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But this is like someone hired for money. Oh, yeah. That's so much sadder. Have you seen the 2019, so last year's 16th century statue of St. George? being restored and no. it looks from a church and it looks like a playmobil figure let me google this yeah it looks like it's made out of um like like children's clay all right let's let's see <laughs> it popped up oh no it's so bad <laughs> oh playmobil that's a good pull for yeah. that yeah that is a good pull for that so i feel bad for the churches because this next thing i'm about to say gives you a little bit of an idea of maybe what these churches and these restorers are up against. Mm -hmm. So um, granted, the art collector and what he did, that's on him, right? He's the Mm -hmm. art collector. Unless there's some other additional part of the story that I can't find in other articles that give a little bit more detail as to why he chose this furniture restorer. For the most part, reading between the lines with the information I have, I would say that is on that guy. But for the people that were like trying to do a do, trying to do do, trying to do a good, <laughs> poo corner, trying to do a good deed, or also like the people that are, yeah, just trying to help these churches, it says the country's professional association of restorers and conservators, the uh, ACRE is the, hmm. is the, what is that? That's called a acronym. Acronym, thank you. Uh, condemned the lack of legal protections and called the recent incident an act of vandalism, which I totally get. But in recent years, many of the country's professional conservation and restorers have had to immigrate or change professions entirely due to a lack of opportunities. So Mm. what are you going to do? Or, you know, this stuff is expensive. What if you're a tiny little church out in the middle of nowhere that needs to have this restored and you can't you simply can't afford it? So do you just let it continue to get worse and worse? Or do you like kind of roll the dice and make a last ditch attempt to try and figure it out? 
And obviously you can't ask these restorers to do it for free because it sounds like they're obviously already struggling if they're having to change professions or go other places. So yeah, what are you supposed to do? Perfect example of there's two sides to every story. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's a good point. I didn't think of it. Right? That sort of like aspect to it. I remember, I think it must have been you who turned me on to the YouTube channel that was all just like art restoration. And it was just like, I don't know. I don't remember that. Maybe I like, I could have sworn it was you who like sent me a link. And it was just like 20 minutes of a guy with like a Q-tip just like going over like the faces and stuff. Yeah, that probably was me. (laughs) It's so calm. It was so great. It was back when we were trying to one up each other about whatever gross Mm -hmm. thing you were we were into. And then you (laughs) sent like a palate cleanser like enough gross things. Here's something calming and nice and positive for the world. Yeah. Here, have this tart sorbet to make yourself feel better. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Tart sorbet of art. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I miss those uh, those those YouTube days. <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, what terrible thing is helping me calm find? down right now. Yeah. What can we find? <laughs> Teeth cleaning videos. Put it up. Okay, so next up we've got William S. Burroughs and the Occult. Uh, There's an excellent Medium article written up by Sleuth One uh, called The Bizarre Metaphysics of William S. Burroughs. I'm going to borrow mostly from this article for our podcast, but I'm also going to post in our Facebook group articles to a bunch of different things that get referenced. They're all pretty much saying the same thing. It's just that some articles delve a little bit deeper into some topics than others, and I think reading kind of a, a... across the board gives you a really good idea of what Burroughs was into because he was into a lot of shit. So for those of you that don't know, really, really quick overview, William S. Burroughs uh, was one of the more famous members uh, and establishers of the Beat Generation. So Kerouac, Mm. all those guys, they all were part of this group. And he is probably best known in general, by the general public, for his novel Naked Lunch, and then also the movie that came out of that, which Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of both. Um, However, he did set himself apart from the other writers in his group due to his unshakable belief in the occult, which I had no idea about until I happened to stumble upon it somehow. Now, this interest in the otherworldly can be traced as far back as his childhood is reflected by his first published essay, something called Personal Magnetism, all about the telepathic mind and how you can use uh, telepathy and mind control. Um, He also referenced seeing apparitions and a tiny green reindeer, which reminded me of our buddy Bowser and his story about seeing the gremlin or whatever in the bathroom of his middle school oh yes <laughs> and i was like oh my god bowser you're actually burrows just reborn oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's one of my favorites i think i think bowser's a little too anxious to 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 be a beat writer though their whole thing was mm. like i i don't care i don't i'll do yeah. whatever i'm gonna do whatever exclamation points who needs them i'm just gonna write (laughs) sentences and they're gonna end when they're gonna end um 
But uh, but yeah, I've yeah, it's interesting. I've never been a huge fan of beat generation writing. It was something that, despite my uh, like coffee life hangout existence, mm-hmm. I never really got into, with the exception of Burroughs. And even with Burroughs, I'm not nearly as well educated as I probably should be. It's mostly just Naked Lunch that I'm into, and like a couple other of his uh, novels. But um, I never became obsessed with it. However, I am obsessed with the occult. And so this is the perfect way to bridge that gap. <laughs> yep. But you know what I always think, too, is like books and authors and things of that nature find you when you're ready for them. Mm. They, they find you when you're supposed to when they're supposed to be found. I don't know how many times and uh, other than it's been a lot that I've tried to read something because everybody else liked it and I read it or because I felt I was supposed to read it. Like it's a classic, so I should read this or it's going to, I'm going to look smart if I read this book and I would try and I would not like it. And so I'd give up on it. And then for whatever reason, it would kind of pop up in my life again, however many years later, and then I would become obsessed and it would just click. And I find a lot of art, whether it's books, articles, actual paintings, uh, you know, even games and music, um, there's a lot of times where it just it, it doesn't work the first time, but then it mm-hmm. happens to like I, I stumble upon it when I meant to stumble upon it in some roundabout way years later, and then it like all of it clicks. I don't know. Do you think that things find you when you're they're meant to be found? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I, I like I I know exactly what you're talking about when when uh, you mention like trying to get into something because you feel like you have to and and i i think yeah like certain things they'll just hit you when you've had like an experience that's different or just like in a different place maybe whether physically or mentally like i Mm -hmm. i I can get behind that i can get behind that cool good well thanks (laughs) this actually is a good transition believe it Mm -hmm. or not into one of his major beliefs which is the magical universe Mm -hmm. uh his belief um in the occult and the and the paranormal seemed to only kind of solidify as he got older he never tried to hide it um one the a great point that this article or a different article i can't remember where i picked it up but he it basically said like to come out with these beliefs so publicly like he did would probably have sank the career of most people. But for whatever reason, because of how honest and eccentric he was, mm. people just kind of gave it a pass and nobody really called him out on it. So uh, because of that, he was unashamed to bring this stuff forward. And I also don't think just read it, you know, the, the bits that I have read about him, because I actually did start watching some documentaries on his life and whatnot. He doesn't seem like the kind of man that would have given a shit either way, yeah. if, you know, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, he never tried to hide it. It only seemed to solidify as he got older and he and he actually like fully uh, talked about it freely. He believed in what he essentially called the magical world where nothing is random. Nothing is an accident. Um, the will kind of causes something to happen. So his actual quote from this article is, in the magical universe, there are no coincidences and there are no accidents. Nothing happens unless someone wills it to happen. The dogma of science is that the will cannot possibly affect external forces. And I think that's ridiculous. It's just as bad as the church, which I thought was a really interesting take. Wow. 
where yeah it's it's like science does kind of seem to have a tendency you know and we touched upon this a little bit at the beginning to poo poo to poo poo to poo 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 on um on the magic that is out there in the world yeah but for me i've always looked at it as like well the magic is what kind of opens the door for you to explore it further and then the science is what you use to explore it so that you can figure out what's actually going on yeah it's 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 also interesting that he's saying he's making a parallel to the church in like a sort of negative way because like the way he was describing the the sort of the the nature of things where nothing is by chance like I mean, I grew up extremely religious. That sounded just one step away from what I was taught, just without the word Jesus in it. Yeah, so it's right. Like, it's it's literally like two sides of the same coin. Like, God has a plan for you. Yeah, and that God knows what's best because He knows what's going on, and He's got yeah. the plan. And you're like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like I I it's it's always interesting to me because. Like I grew up believing that there are no coincidences, everything, everything happens for a reason, that sort of thing. And, and as a kid, like the opposite of that was like paganism, at least in what I was taught, like, Mm -hmm. and now to hear something that's more pagan and magic based, sort of echoing the same sentiments. It's, it's, I don't know, humans are, humans are cool. (laughs) We've it's, got our moments for yeah, sure. No, it's just it just it's just always so funny to me because it's it's I was like it's this or this or this and it's like we're all kind of chasing the same sort of thing. We're totally. just ascribing a different word to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree. I mean, reading this, the first thing that I got out of it um, was the fact that it essentially sounds like what we've referred to today in spiritual slang is like manifesting your own shit. Like everybody's like manifest it, manifest it because you're putting your own will out there to get something moving. And whether, you know, whether that becomes a placebo or not doesn't really matter because it's putting in your head the thing that you need to do in order to get the job done, whatever that job may be. And you might not even be conscious about it as as all the uh, as all the pieces start to fall into place. You know, you're just thinking you're making a wish and wow, I really hope this happens, but then subconsciously your will and your drive is having you make the right decisions in the background of your mind to mm-hmm. get you to that point. Yeah. Yeah, that that's I like that as well because like I remember reading some books about like more of sort of spells, like how do spells work? Like mm-hmm. spells work, you do something and it has a certain intention and then like you said, it just subconsciously makes you more attentive to certain things, it makes you more focused on certain things. Mm-hmm. And I I was like, well, and if that's true, then it's not really working. But then it also, that is it working. Yeah. Like at the same time, it's like, you can look at it as it's not working and it is working at the same time. Yeah. Because if, if the goal is achieved, then. Then it happens. Yeah. Then it happened. (laughs) 
it's such it's kind of such a catch-22 where as somebody who does like to believe in the concept of magic being actual magic Mm -hmm. to know that really it's just me actually just doing it on my own in the background (laughs) of my own brain is a little bit disappointing yeah i mean i'm like no man i want the fairies to come and light some shit up yeah (laughs) i think i think that's that story is messing us up yeah, but because, at the end of the day, I guess if you get what you're asking for, then good question mark. Yeah, I mean, just I, I guess, I mean, and this is going to sound super basic to say, but that it comes back to when certain like magic practices say that you know God is within us, part of us is God. It's if we are the ones that, at the end of the day, are doing it, then yeah, that makes sense. That. Yeah. If we the pa- that makes sense that yes the power is within us the whole time, <laughs> it just all boils down to that one like sports tagline which I think was Nike. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Uh, okay. okay. There we go. There we go. Just cast. We just cast a spell to do something. I don't know what we're doing, but we'll just do it. Um, he did have this technique that I thought was really cool. I learned about this in art history class because even though we were focused on paintings, um, we did delve into a little bit of uh, pop culture um, at different sections of time and like Mm -hmm. what was going on in other areas of art around that. And we were told about this technique where it's called the cut up technique and you cut up a bunch of uh, sentences, you know, like you take a sentence or an article or whatever, and you cut out a bunch of words and sentences and kind of like throw everything in the air. Um, at least this is what we were told in art history class, throw everything in the air and how it lands is how it lands. And that is your, uh, that is your story. That is your, what you wrote. It was meant to look like that and be written that way. I was told that was always a writing technique for the beat generation. But here it's saying it's actually a technique that a friend, an artist friend of his developed and that he kind of adopted for himself in order to kind of tell the future. So, but it's the it's essentially the same thing. Uh, It's he believes that uh, sentences when cut up and allowed to rearrange themselves would actually give you the true meaning on what was actually being said or what was really happening behind the scenes and he referenced yeah right i really want to try this he referenced this example of when he used the cut up technique on an article that he was reading about john paul getty Mm -hmm. and what he did whatever he did and the words ended up rearranging themselves to say it's a bad thing to sue your own father and then, uh, and this was a phrase that was not originally ever found in the text. You know, it, mm. it didn't, it wasn't one big chunk, kind of just arranged itself or he found it within this mess. And, uh, and then like a few years later, one of Getty's sons actually did sue his dad and Burroughs felt that he had been given a peek into the future of that event via the cut up technique. Okay. So yeah, he was a big proponent of this. Um, if you listen, there's an, there's a, there is a, is it on Hulu? No, I think there is a documentary, which is okay, on him mm-hmm. on uh, Amazon video. Gotcha. Where he goes re- into really good detail about like the technique 
um, both using uh, written words, but also uh, audio tapes where he would tape himself saying things and then splice them together and then like play them back and all this other stuff. So he was really, really into this. That's that's such a cool like thing for a writer to believe in. Right. Because it's yeah, it's because he spends so much time like specifically caring about the choice and order of words and then to be like, well, underneath it all, like there's something else hidden in there beyond that. Mm -hmm. It's like it's one of those things where it's like, even if I don't know if I believe it's true, I wish it were true. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, Yeah, I really want to give this a shot. And if you go online and search like cut up technique and William Mm -hmm. S. Burroughs and all this stuff, along with a couple of the other things we're going to mention further along in this podcast, it there's videos out there done by some friends of his or interviews that they talk about where they actually or articles that have links that you can actually go and learn how to do these techniques yourself. Um, there's a I don't want to get too too far ahead because there's one specifically I'm thinking of that you can watch on a YouTube video right now and it'll teach you how to make your own thing. But um, but yeah, I really, really want to try this. I'm going to definitely look that up yeah, myself. You and I should both try this and yeah, then like touch I, base and see what we got. See how it happened. <laughs> yeah, see what happened. Like, how many, I don't, don't know what the time limit is, you know, because I guess, uh, listen, I get point. it. Somebody could come in and say, well, of course, it's the Gettys. There's tons of money there. They're going to fight about it. Of course, the su- mm. it's just a matter of time before somebody in the family gets irritated and like tries Seriously. to get their hands on some stuff. <laughs> But also, like, don't rain on my parade. Yeah, yeah. Um, So like I mentioned before, the technique itself didn't come from Burroughs. It actually came from a writer and artist friend of his named Breon, and I'm going to maybe destroy this name, uh, Gysin, G-Y-S-I-N. I'm going to call him Gysin. If it's not Gysin and somebody else knows how it should be properly pronounced, uh, I apologize. Um, Who Burroughs actually met at a beat hotel in France. Uh, Geisen was also interested in the occult. The two of them kind of mm-hmm. became occult buddies, studying on all of it. And he had absorbed some teachings from it. This was very vague in the article, so I'm not sure like how hardcore Geisen got into this stuff. Uh, but he says he absorbed some teachings from the Middle East, specifically cursing and being cursed, which really, like Burroughs, for whatever reason, really grabbed, well, the reason might come up later, but he got really, really into the idea of curses and being cursed um you know he i think felt like he was probably cursed in some ways and again we'll get into that a little later on in the podcast but um it manifests itself in his writing this like theme of getting cursed and being cursed and and things kind of like externally forcing bad things to happen to you because okay Part of Burroughs, speaking of bad things that happened to you, um, he attributes his ability to become a successful writer to the fact that he shot his first common law wife in the head. That they were. That's some heavy stuff. Oh, yeah. And he got away with it. I mean, they knew it was him, but he somehow managed to, to not be charged or spend any jail time. And uh, he, so he essentially got away with it. And uh, he, you know, he says it's an, he, he says it was an accident. They were playing a game of William Tell. This actually shows up in the, um, and he missed shot. It actually shows up in the movie Naked Lunch. uh, And also, I believe in the 
book. I'm not sure about the book, but I'm positive about the movie that they Mm -hmm. have a scene where that basically happens in the movie. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, he, he says like, he believes it happened because of, um, I guess I am going to jump ahead, uh, because he was possessed by this evil spirit that he's consistently trying to break free from. And he also blames a lot of his addiction on that. Cause he was a big, uh, um, he, he used a ton of drugs and, uh, and yeah, it just goes on and on and on. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so I kind of skipped ahead. We'll go back to the possession thing and the curses thing in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, he did speaking of Jack Parsons, Scientology is back, baby. Oh, our good pals. <laughs> our good pals, the Scientologists. We are definitely saying that facetiously. Yeah. Our good pals at the Glendale Galleria. <laughs> The Glendale Galleria. Oh yeah, they have the one the 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 That's setup right. there, right? Yeah, and they they have setups all over the place. Have you noticed they've been popping up in LA a lot? There's I, one in North Hollywood now. Is there? There's, there's oh, oh yeah uh, yeah on I've driven past that one yeah. Yep. I don't know how long it's been there. I don't know. Maybe I just am noticing it now, but I never noticed it before. There's one in North Hollywood. There's one in Glendale, like you were saying. There's one in, um, what's right next to Glendale? Starts with a P. Pasadena. Pasadena. I accidentally Uh, walked into that one. Yeah, me too. I I thought it was the parking garage. I thought it was a shortcut. (laughs) I thought it was a shortcut. And then I was like, I I turned like twice. And then I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, no! (laughs) Yep, I've done that as well. That's how they get you. That's how Uh, they do it. So, yeah, there's one in Pasadena. There is one in, I think, the... the, I don't remember what part of town it would be considered other than Hollywood. But it was... It's the... It's the one... It's huge, and it's right next to a major hospital in Hollywood somewhere. Right next to Providence. But I can't remember the name of it. And it's green. It's like a green tint to it. It's old Art Deco building. And then there's the one in Hollywood mm-hmm. on the ritzier side of Hollywood, which is the um, with, which is the Celebrity Center. Yeah. And those are the ones that I am aware of. But you I can just... stay at the Celebrity Center. What? What I, do you mean? I, I knew that they had brunches at the Celebrity Center, but I, I didn't mean, know you could stay there. It's... And there's a psychology museum somewhere in the basement of one of them, unless Ooh. they closed it down, which doesn't tell you the benefits of psychology, which tells you that psychology is evil. Of course. Um, but yeah, I kind of. I had a, a teacher who uh, would stay like, I mean, I don't know if this is still this was like in 2012 or something. And she was like, yeah, like once I'm done with a job, like uh, it's really inexpensive because they want you there so they can talk to you. You can like hotel style rent a room and oh she's like it's she's like it's super cheap and it's super fancy looking let me google this right now I would mean, you do that is that your limit there's your limit oh man that's my limit why don't uh, we go together that that, that I, I don't remember if she there can't be a bar in there right there's no way there's like a good bar are you not there. are scientologists not allowed to drink i have no idea i mean if, if true that's a big uh that, that's, that, that's a big old no for me. Yeah, yeah. That's not something <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to cross the line for. Yeah, listen, I know you're promising me soul and salvation, but I need to <laughs> have my cost? martini. <laughs> yeah, this is, not worth, this is not worth it. Well, it says you can book events there. It says the Manor Hotel, a religious retreat for Scientologists. 
whoa oh god what if they have what if they're tracking me now because i'm hitting these links would it be weird if i emailed this teacher who i haven't talked to in like absolutely. a decade to figure it absolutely out? not just be like hey i have a friend that's working on a podcast and wants to know is this something that can happen Ooh, i am both intrigued and terrified by that potential yeah. Uh, Aristotle's jumping in here with notes. God, Aristotle, you're such a lifesaver every time. He says, the big building on sunset is the church. Oh, okay. Okay, so that must be the green building, and then the other one's the mm. celebrity center. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Then Thank there's you. that big production place, too, like in Silver Lake-esque, I think. Oh, that I, like, I... See, I didn't big, even know. It's like, uh, I think it's close to a tiki bar. I, I don't remember. I in just where, in where? I think it's like Silver Lake or or Los Feliz. Like because I was like, I want to go to the Tiki Bar. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why do you think I know? Yeah, man, imagine hitting is. the Tiki Bar and then spending the night at the Scientology building. What an evening in L.A. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, very L.A. evening. That is my dream come true. <laughs> oh, we have gone way off the rails here. Um, in the meantime, Aristotle, can you look and see if you can find any evidence that we can actually stay at the Scientology building as guests of like a hotel stay? And I'm going to say uh, yes. So William S. Burroughs was really into Scientology when it first started. Most people in the art scene were mm -hmm. because... Um, it was kind of seen as like an avant-garde, radical way of self-empowerment, kind of like, you know, the way, fuck you, the man, the ways that you taught me how to live my life and have gotcha. mental health are not working. And so I am going to find this new religion and way of living my life through Scientology. So it wasn't unheard of for a lot of people to be on board for Scientology when it first started back in, um, or at least when he was introduced to it in the 50s, mm -hmm. uh, which would explain, you know, you know, which would explain why a lot of people were involved. Um, yeah. Jack Parsons and all those guys. Um, and and yeah, and why uh, Burroughs was attracted to it. Um, in particular, he was really intrigued with the e-meter and other technologies that kind of promised understanding and inner enlightenment. It's kind of like my obsession with um, all the different... Uh, all the different accoutrement you can use for um, like your skin. <laughs> like here's a micro needler. Here is the new face electric massager. Here is, you know, this kind of like, like I am obsessed with skincare items, like the gadgets. Mm -hmm. He was obsessed with saving your soul gadgets. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he loved it. He loved this e-meter and he used it right up and through the 1960s, even after he publicly came out saying that L. Ron Hubbard was full of bullshit. So um, he was so all there was a breakup. Sort there of. was. Yeah. And that seems to be the case with most of the L. Ron Hubbard stories that we hear, uh, including Jack Parsons, which we've talked about in depth over on Bizarre States, mm -hmm. is that, yeah, at some point, L. Ron it's a little it seems like he gets a little big for his britches and a little greedy and people are like listen i was on board because you talked the talk in the beginning but now i'm not seeing you walk the walk i still want to gotcha. um 
call up Satan and and, re- and, and <laughs> reach out to the spirit world. Or at least that was Jack Parsons' goal. Uh, and for Burroughs, like, find himself and, and reach kind of a different um, way of thinking. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so there always seems to be this kind of breakup between Hubbard and, and the folks that join him. Yeah, especially with, like, all of those people having such big personalities as well. Like, the sort of things that you know, can connect to people like that, can yeah. drive them apart just as easily. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think when you do have those big, bombastic, kind of A-type personalities, mm-hmm. you are really fire, really fire, fiery, fiery. You're really, what's the word I'm looking for? You're really... Not feisty, but... Well, like when you first meet the, like, attraction whether it's a friendship attraction or mm. an actual like relationship sexual attraction, I think, yeah, it's like really fiery. You know, you're both, you're all fire. Both of you are firing on all cylinders. Yeah. You both see things very um, distinctly and strongly. And, you know, maybe you give a little here on this one and give a little here on, on that conversation and vice versa. But eventually things will come to a head because you're going to think one thing and you're going to get stubborn or you're just going to be tired of giving in just to placate this other person and their beliefs or whatever it is that they're spouting and they're going to be doing the same thing and then kaboom. And then just as quickly as you came together, you are blown apart. (laughs) (laughs) And I am not speaking from experience here. I don't know what we are talking about. Yeah, yeah. Some of that sounded a little too familiar for myself too. Ooh, <laughs> it's it's a little close. It hits um, a little close. It hits a little close. But, you know, despite his falling out with Hubbard, it's interesting that he stuck with the e-reader and was still, yeah. like, really kind of obsessed with it. And he actually kind of, like, it actually wasn't just that one thing. Like I said before, much like my skincare techniques, he was very interested in other kind of tech, tech stuff that was, uh, was like, in that same vein. So one of the ones that he really liked is one called The Dream Machine. And this is what I was kind of hinting at earlier, which Mm -hmm. was like, hey, we're gonna get into the more of the like tech stuff uh, above and beyond the cut up technique. Um, This is The Dream Machine. It was actually invented by his artist friend who came up with the cut up technique, Brian Geisen, and a gentleman named uh, Ian Somerville. Uh, He thought that The Dream Machine was absolutely terrific. Uh, He had quite a few visions while looking within it. He had his own dream machine that I don't know if he made it or if they made it, but it was his machine that he used personally. And that is actually now housed along with a lot of his original writings and papers over at Columbia University. What does it look like? It looks, it's literally, anybody can make one. It looks like Mm -hmm. it's basically a cardboard cylinder on a turntable with some lights and decorations, I guess you can customize it however you see fit. And uh, and yeah, you can use it. So there's actual instructions what? online on how to make your own dream machine. Oh my gosh, Steven, I know what you're going to be doing for the rest of this COVID lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> you're I'm, gonna be making a dream machine. I'm looking at a picture of this and I don't think I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> You know what it reminds me of? Do you remember seeing those old-fashioned um, drums that they would use to make animated movies, and they would oh, there'd be all those little like slightly Zoetrope? is that it? Is that what it's called? I have no idea. Something but like that. 
there'd be yeah. all those little uh, slightly different drawings on the inside or pictures, and you would spin it, and it would make, and you would stick your face kind of close to it, and yeah. it would make the images on the inside look as if they were actually moving. That is what the dream machine reminds me of. It looks like a chimney version of that. Yeah. But it looks like it's lit from within somehow. Like it yeah. has some sort of lighting system. I did not go through the actual step-by-steps on how to make it yet, but it is out there. So again, for folks listening, I will be posting all of this over in our podcast um, notes for our Facebook group uh, because you can learn the cut-up technique. You can build your own dream machine. Uh, it's not It's not hard, nor is it secret. And if you are in the Columbia University area and they allow you to go inside the library or reach out to them, <laughs> um, definitely you can check out the William S. Burroughs Dream Machine. I, like, not check it out, like check it out of the library. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it has to stay there. <laughs> I actually don't know if you're actually able to see it or not. Needless to say, it's there on the grounds. Maybe you can sneak <laughs> around and find it <laughs> because they do own it. Yeah, that's curious. Can you just like... Go up there and be like, hey, you know what? I really want to give his dream machine a shot. I mean, like, uh, can you can you give us your library card, sir? Either way, I'm gonna try to make one. I'm gonna try to make one. Okay, so we're gonna you and I are gonna touch base later on on the cut up technique and what yeah. the future tells us and what kind of trippy shit we see in the dream, the dream machine. machine. Um, other parapsychological obsessions that he had was um uh, and I've got these in order, no particular order, just in order in general. Reich and the Orgone, I think it's Orgone or Orgone accumulators. So there was an Austrian doctor and psychoanalyst named Wil- Wilhelm Reich, uh, and he believed in a type of esoteric energy or a universal life force energy, which AKA is basically sexual energy. Sexual, I said that so fucking weird. <laughs> It's so fucking weird. Sexual. I, I wasn't going to call attention to it. That's that's on you. So you know why I started laughing besides the fact that I sounded like an idiot and a creeper was that it immediately reminded me of this one time when I was I just moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. And I was living in West Hollywood by myself in this tiny little apartment. And I ordered a pizza and... Um, I had two really weird pizza delivery back-to-backs. The first, I had ordered two pizzas that day. I was like on a pizza binge and it was kind of all I could afford. And the first time they dropped off the pizza was this older gentleman. And by older, I mean, he had to have been like in his 75. Uh, And he's like, he's, he's, he's like, start speaking to me in Russian. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't understand Russian. And I say that in English Mm because I don't speak Russian. So then he starts talking to me in German and I'm like, I'm sorry, uh, what I don't speak. I only speak English. And he's like, oh, well, you look like you're, uh, uh, f- you know, uh, Russian. Or I think he said you look, uh, what's, what's the phrase? Not Eastern. I don't know. He told me I looked mm-hmm. different. And I was like, oh, okay, well, thank you. Can I have my pizza, please? <laughs> and like, he had like a full fucking conversation to, with me in Russian, even though I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're saying. Wow. Um, and he's like, and I, but I do remember him being like, well, it's a shame you should know your language. And I was like, well, it's not really my fault. <laughs> like, wow. Also, give me my fucking pizza. Very get out presumptive. Of my, get out of my doorstep. 
Um, and then the next time that night, I ordered another pizza from a different place because I was like, I don't want that one dude to show up. And this guy shows up and he's like, and he sniffs my doorway and says, oh, it smells really nice in there. Are you, no. um, he goes, are you, uh, are you burning any sensual oils? And I was no. like, no, no, I just want my pizza. <laughs> I, oh, I'm cringing so hard. Oh God! And I didn't worst way to say that. <laughs> yeah, and he said it just like that. And I didn't like. I wasn't. I didn't believe it or not. I didn't feel like. Eh. I mean, I felt eh. Like what? But my. <laughs> but I was more cringed about the how he said it versus what was said. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I didn't feel in danger. I didn't feel weird or anything. I could tell that this guy was just trying to like have a regular conversation and it just did not come off that no. way. So I'm like, cool, dude, I'm letting you off the hook. This will be my get out of jail free oh, card no. for that other guy that I had to deal with. I'm racking up, uh, I'm racking up um, nice neighbor points right yeah. now. The universe is like trying to cleanse your palate. <laughs> But, like, in an opposite way. Yeah, I'm like, it's cool. Yeah, okay, I'll just take these hits. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, you know, you can negate some of the shit that I've done. But, yeah, I just remember him being like, it smells like sensual oils. And I was like, Bleh. Anyway, point is, I Pizza said... oil. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's going to smell like, uh, like uh, cheese oil here in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> All of this to say, I said sexual, really weird. Sexual. Sexual energy. Sexual energy. Uh, needless to say, we'll just refer to it from this point on as universal life force. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do think it's interesting that it has in common a lot of the same kind of, uh, like what he was into are a lot of the same kind of um, magic techniques that we are familiar with just from our own studies mm. with like your typical you know grimoires and spell books and history of wicca and whatever it is that we're reading at the time witchcraft mm -hmm. in general you know like i remember the big thing that we did for our bizarre states was uh we did that on location i don't know if you were with us but bowser and i did that on location shoot in his backyard trying to create our own sigils and you were supposed to charge it with sex energy and Bowser and I are just looking at each other like uh that's not gonna happen so what are we gonna I, do I wish I was there <laughs> it was it was actually one of the most fun times I've had shooting the show I wish you were there too but, but I yeah, remember we that happening but <laughs> oh yeah Aristotle's popping up in chat he's like I was yeah. there it was so funny. Aristotle, if you want to jump in and talk, I do not mind. So you can tell the folks like what it looked like from a third party perspective. Yeah. But Aristotle, tell us about the sexual energy. <laughs> the se the sexual energy during the sigil making experience. Uh, I'm here. I'm not recording my own voice, so it'll have oh. to be from Zoom. But I, I remember that was a lot of fun. It was at Bowser's Tiki Bar. Oh, oh yeah. that's right. He had a tiki bar in his backyard. And uh, I don't, I don't remember what we you did instead because I remember like, isn't there other options? It doesn't have to be sexual energy. But it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be, but the sexual energy is supposed to be. I think the like one of the quickest and uh, oh, easiest and way to supercharge it. <laughs> I think other ways are you can like, um, like uh, blow onto it. This is all sounding. 
questionable as we're discussing it but no judgments thank you um or just like kind of like stare at it and kind of you know put your mind vibe into it and then in order to release it or send it out you can burn it i think we ended up burning it i think bowser and i both were like with our eyeballs and then burnt it (laughs) (laughs) and then that was kind of how it worked out but um but yeah i just remember we got to that point in the instructions and we were just like uh (laughs) nope (laughs) It's like, I like you, dude, like a bro, but I can't. Nope. Mm-mm, nope. All right. So anyway, moving on. Here I was trying to be all serious during this episode. And it all fell apart, which is fine. Uh, he was into the Mayan calendar. Um, it didn't really go into detail as to what aspects of the Mayan calendar were, other than probably, I'm assuming, what we all said, which is that they were going to predict the end of the world. Oh, oh. Yeah. I thought you said I, mind calendar at first. No, I was like, my, my and then you kept on going. And I was like, oh, this is something I just don't know about. Oh, <laughs> okay, no. I got you now. I got you. Yeah. The Mayan calendar. I am having a hard time enunciating my sentences. <laughs> uh, the number 23. For some reason, he was really into the number 23, even referring to his magic study as Academy 23. I'm weirdly into the number 23. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a cool number. I notice it showing up in like random spots a lot. And I know some of that's like confirmation bias, but like mm-hmm. it's that's a number that I always notice popping up around. Ooh, interesting. Well, maybe. Okay. So I have not been the biggest numerology uh, studier. I mm-hmm. dabbled in the back of like you know, Allure magazine or whatever <laughs> when they had their find out what your horoscope is. Um. Oh, Aristotle's in chat saying there's actually a movie about it with Jim Carrey. So, oh, so Jim. Okay, so what is this number twenty three? What is oh, going on with the number twenty three? Interesting. It's, it's a. It's like a, a fictional movie, but it's essentially the same thing where he like he sees it everywhere and it like takes control of his life. Ooh, Steven, stovetop. Okay. You have to be careful. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I wonder if, like, subliminally, I had noticed that movie and that's what got me onto it. Ooh, maybe. Well, I mean, everybody's got their number, right? That they're into. Mine is mm-hmm. seven, obviously, because my birthday was like 7777. Mm-hmm. At 645, I was like, Mom, could you not have kept your legs together for like a few Jesus more minutes? Christ. So I could have gotten dropped at like 707 <laughs> and just have all the power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But she's like, hell no, I wanted you out of me. And I'm like, totally understand. Um, But still bitter about it. I just looked it up. Wiki, my go-to. Listen, I know people have a big problem with Wiki being a go-to as a resource. But from what I have come to understand is that the Wiki rules are so strong and people enforce them so much that you usually are getting the right information. They catch it. They catch it or as much of the information that is out there about that thing at that time. So with that being said, I do default to Wiki a lot. This says the 23 enigma is the belief in the significance of the number 23. Um, William S. Burroughs, uh, Robert Anton Wilson cites William S. Burroughs as the first person to believe in the 23 enigma. He had an article in the 40 in Times, which is a great Um, magazine that I love, by the way. I first heard of the 23 Enigma from William S. Burroughs, author of Naked Lunch, Nova Express, etc. According to Burroughs, 
He had known a certain Captain Clark around 1960 in Tangier, who once bragged that he had been sailing 23 years without an accident. That very day, Clark's ship had an accident that killed him and everybody else on board. Whoa. Furthermore, while Burroughs was thinking about this crude example of the irony of the gods that evening, a bulletin on the radio announced... The crash of an airliner in Florida, USA. The pilot was another Captain Clark, and the flight was flight number 23. Okay, I'm fucking freaked oh. out now. Ooh. Okay. Hi, yi, yi. That's cool. Okay. Maybe you don't want to look at this number yeah, 23. Yeah. Stone top. No. Maybe I can find some stuff to blame it on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to stick with seven. <laughs> seven seems to be safe. Um, he also, so yes, we've gone with the organ accumulators or sexual energy, the Mayan calendar, the number 23, uh, the secret slash controlling factors of, oh my God, oh no, uh, I, my, <laughs> my writing auto-corrected itself and it says of life he dubber. It's supposed to be the secret and controlling factors of life that he dubbed the control machine which is why I wanted you to check out and keep this in mind for the control video game that we are both currently playing, yes. which is all about parapsychology. Yes. Um, and I think has to be connected to this kind of William S. Burroughs-esque belief somehow, including its design. But uh, needless to say, that's a separate, that's a video game podcast waiting to happen. Spirit possession, he believed in, which we talked about earlier and we're going to get into in a little bit more, and spells and curses, which we had mm -hmm. mentioned. Now, the list of his magic techniques uh, for Academy 23, um, uh, he loved this idea of, this is like his techniques for in his like occult practices. He had this thing he called do easy, which is mm -hmm. retraining your brain to do everything in the fewest number of steps. And he attributed his ability to get so much shit done because he would do the do easy. Gotcha. So I don't really know what that means. I figure most people are doing things in the fewer number of steps because we're at least I am inherently lazy and don't want to have to keep on doing it. <laughs> You've been but, doing it this whole time. Yeah, maybe. Uh, dream control. Nothing we haven't heard of before. Basically, mm -hmm. keeping he kept a dream journal. He tried to have as many lucid dreams as possible. He tried to write all his dreams down as soon as he could, uh, not only recalling them for himself and his beliefs, but also for his books and his writing. And he uh, didn't only just recall his regular dreams, but being a big drug user, uh, his oh. drug-induced ones as well. Yeah. Uh, the cut-up technique, which we've already talked about, the dream machine, which we've already talked about, the organ, and uh, which we talked about, which is the sex energy, but also bion collection, which is actual sexual particles. So he believed that there were particles around you that were actually sexual. I don't really know how it breaks down. Okay. Um, but yes, he believed that there were actual, there was like sex energy, but also sex particles. And then he also believed in total focus on destabilizing control. And this is where it gets pretty hardcore. Not that the other, like, sex particles is not hardcore, but um, <laughs> he saw the world as essentially a control mechanism or a trap. Again, why I want you to go play cool. that game. Like, think of this and, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I can't say I disagree with. <laughs> uh, he saw his goal as utterly breaking and destroying that control system. And so how do you smash that control system? He says you need to proclaim a new era and set up a new calendar, uh, replace an alien language. Um, I don't know if he, I don't know in this list, 
because I need to do a deeper dive on this, if it means replacing your current language with an alien language mm. or uh, I, or like, is your is your language the alien language and you need to reverse? Do, I don't know if I'm yeah. saying that right. You, yeah, I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? I don't, but I mean, me. it, it's is it like, are you do you have like, to break your current language or is there like an unseen thing that yeah. you have to break like that sort of thing? Or do you keep your language, but introduce a new one into the mix? Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, but then what happens if, you know, you speak multiple languages? <laughs> what happens for the person that doesn't speak English? This is just assuming there's Eng like English speakers. Mm -hmm. Like, is it wipe the world of language and bring in an alien like a language? Babel situation? Yeah, or create your own. I don't know. But anyway, I think he's thinking, just for the sake of this breakdown, let's just assume this is grandiose mm. umbrella terms. So replace with an alien language or an alien language, destroy and neutralize alien gods. Again, cool. I don't know if that means destroy your own gods, destroy others' gods, bring in alien gods in order to destroy everybody else's current gods. I have no clue, but it destroy or neutralize alien gods. Uh, destroy alien machinery of government control. And take the wealth. Board. Yeah, and take wealth and land from individual aliens. So I'm on wow. that last one. I'm assuming this is basically just how to usurp a government. <laughs> like, yeah, how, yeah. How to usurp um, a society, how to break down a society. Honestly, but it's God. <laughs> but it's but it's God. Yeah. Or or you're just yeah. Who it I don't know who he's referring to in aliens in regards to this. If but yeah. That also reminds me a lot of uh, his Dark Materials. Yes, right. Where it's like God's crazy, and he needs to be taken out in order for yeah. a good, like a yeah, new. Yeah, there's there's like whole people whose entire. Oh God! Like, also, goal spoiler to... warning: I just oh. told you guys the end of Stark Materials, which listen. That's not the end. It's pretty far, but it's, <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> but Ew. like, there's definitely people who's like the, You know, from pretty soon on, their goal is like. F the system, we're trying yeah. to build a new system. Yeah, and I don't think he means aliens in this context as far as like aliens yeah. from other countries coming in and so being an alien uh, to your country. Mm -hmm. I think he's literally thinking aliens. Something or outside. other Or otherworldly, not like UFO little green men, yeah. just otherworldly, something from the outside. Um, and I think, th and I think, like you said, the focus is uh, more of a list on how to destabilize current society, current governments, mm -hmm. um, kind of like, yeah, take the people in power, out of power, that kind of thing, I think is what we're looking at here, um, which then leads us into chaos magic. He's a big proponent of chaos magic. I've never really gotten a good grasp on understanding what chaos magic is. I know a lot of people practice it. I've always wanted to have um, those people. There's a couple I'm thinking of specifically uh, on the podcast um, to help me explain it, like to help explain it to me. Please do. I would love to also yeah, know. I feel like chaos ma magic, I mean, it's in the title. It's chaotic and I don't know what the fuck it actually yeah. means. Um, but it's sometimes, ref but the, uh, again, hashtag love my wiki, uh, wiki says it's sometimes referred to as success magic 
or results-based magic. Chaos magic claims to emphasize the attainment of specific results over the symbolic, ritualistic, theological, and otherwise ornamental aspects of other occult traditions. So, don't know what that actually means. Huh. I'm wondering if it basically means take the bones or the things that work for you out of all these other different magics and then just use them. Which would make sense to me as to why it would be called chaos magic yeah. because then you're not following any one specific creed other than use what works in yeah. order to have a successful outcome, whatever that might be. But um, that's just me guessing. Do not take my word for that. Um, and it goes on and on and on. There's much more that I could list with that we're not going to do uh, here because I'm running out of time. But um, but yeah, so he's like, he's in deep. William S. Burroughs is in deep. Um, and again, with the possession, um, I, I, just kind of wrapping things up here, uh, mm -hmm. we talked about it a little bit before, but like I said, uh, he had a lot of his obsession with parapsychology seemed to stem from his unshakable belief that he himself was being controlled by an external force one that was determined to find that he was determined to find out about mm -hmm. and break away from and he called this force that he was possessed by that he also says is the reason he killed his common law wife um that it kind of did it to her slightly convenient but yeah that's uh, extremely convenient extremely convenient um but that he was possessed, the evil entity that he was possessed by is called, he calls it the ugly spirit. Do you, do you believe in possession yourself? I don't know. I've heard, you know, first of all, I've never seen it or witnessed it. So that's kind of a strike against it. Um, I, I, it's such a it's such a dangerous area to tread because yeah. what is mental illness and what would be considered possession? Yeah. And uh you know or what or what like or let's say somebody with a mental illness is really religious is that how it manifests itself in them? So they believe they're truly possessed. Like I don't know I I would I'm not sure I'm not sure that's I don't see why if you can't if you wouldn't believe in ghosts which I kind of do or at least I, I'm a hopeful believer in them I've definitely seen some weird stuff happen and have had weird things happen to me I don't know why you why you wouldn't also believe in possession mm -hmm. but I don't know I don't know yeah I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with that where it's like I know. All I know is that I definitely don't know everything. So there's a chance, there's a chance it's real. There, I, I also know that like, you know, a lot of stuff has been blamed on that. That definitely isn't the fault of like possession. But then at the same time, it's like to protect their identities. But like, I know people who personally, who I 100% trust what they tell me. And they have, like, been involved with exorcisms and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I know, like, people say, like, oh, like, when, when someone's voice changes, it's they're using different part of their vocal folds and stuff like that. But, like, straight up, these people have told me, like, oh, yeah, we, we watched this person's eyes go completely black. And I'm like, well, Ooh. that's not really something yeah. that, you know, I... <laughs> We got yeah. focal folds, but we don't have pupil flaps. Yeah, exactly, up. exactly. It's like, 
And it's like, if it were anyone else telling me that, I'd sort of like take it with a grain of salt. Okay, whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's like, it's someone who, definitely people whose opinion I trust. And it was more than one person I know who was at this same event. So yeah, it's a tough call. I'm not sure. Also, complete side notes, side note, speaking of um, creepy eyeball actions, did you know that dogs have three eyelids? I did not, but I'm reading a book right now about how dogs see. So I, I think you just spoiled an upcoming chapter for oh, me. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah. Okay, I'm, well, that wasn't on my docket. You know what? Yeah. There are no accidents. Yeah, Everything that's is funny. Me- I, there are I, no accidents. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> That's what sure I was going do. to do after this was read more of that book. So. Well, I just re- fucking ruined it for you, so you're welcome. <laughs> you ruined the ending of my dog science book. <laughs> I ruined dog science, and I ruined for everybody that still hasn't read the dark, his dark materials. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe maybe Aristotle can uh, put in a quick little, like, spoiler alert for, for us. <laughs> See if you can cut that and splice it. All right. Well, you know, believe it or not, this conversation of possession actually leads us into the perfect listener story. Oh, if you good. if you're down for it, since this podcast has already lasted a long time, I'm only going to do one. So this one comes from Darren. He says, uh, "I actually sent this in a way back, but I don't believe it was ever read." Um, but I was inspired to send it in again. What's up, guys? Huge fan. Been ride or die since day one. Love the show. You guys are the best. Uh, I've got a legit scary experience for y'all. My name is Darren, so feel free to give it a shout out. Hey, Darren. Stovetop, say hi, Darren. I didn't know if you wanted me to. Hey, Darren. Yeah, you can interrupt. Okay. I told you. You got free right. reign, buds. Although okay. I know I, 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 I had crippling self-doubt for a second. I was like, <laughs> it's not me. I'm like, pause. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, it's you. Uh, So, hey, Darren. Okay, so... Hey, Darren. uh, Hey, Darren. So, I come from a super religious family. My dad is a Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. Am I saying that right? Pentecostal Mm -hmm. preacher. The summer after I graduated high school, we had a young visiting preacher minister at our church. This preacher, we shall call him Bradham. That's a very specific name to call him. Bradham. I like it, though. I dig it was actually one of my best friends, so whenever he came into town, he would just crash at our house. So the night before he was scheduled to preach, we were chilling out in the den of my parents' house, watching movies and catching up. Well, we were obviously way more tired than we thought and both fell asleep. Around three in the morning, I was woken up by Bradham talking. I could barely see him in the pitch black den, but I could make out that he was sitting straight up. At first, he was just praying, asking the Lord to give him the right words to say tomorrow and whatnot. Then he started praying over specific situations going on in some of the members of the youth group's lives, even calling names and talking about specific things, things that no one knew about but my mom and dad, things that I only knew about because I was a nosy little shit and would (laughs) eavesdrop um, on them sometimes. Also, oh my God, no, you can't do that. So I was a little freaked out, but not really because I grew up around this kind of thing. Um, But then he started talking to Satan. The Satan, capital T, capital S. He actually said, I'm talking to you, Satan. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. Oh, shit. I shouldn't laugh because that is freaky. But I love the fact that he literally says, like, calls him out like, hey, yo, dude, pay attention. I am talking to you, Satan. Bradham began rebuking Satan, telling him to leave my church alone, leave my parents alone. 
So at this point, I'm freaking out, but I can't move. I have sleep paralysis. I then notice something move over by the door. It's a shape blacker than black. It's tall like a man, and it starts walking slash floating towards me. I can't move. I know I'm awake because I'm crying. All I can say is, Jesus, right before the shape gets to me, I hear Bradham say, no, Satan, I'm the one that called you here, not him. You deal with me. God damn. Damn. Goddamn was not written into the letter. I just, that was me personally responding to all of that. <laughs> um, so yes, no Satan, I'm the one who called you here, not him, you deal with me. Then the shape stops and heads towards him. Bradham begins going all Father Marin, pleading the blood of Christ. At one point, he's actually saying the blood is on the walls. And then finally, he says, I'm done with you, Satan. Get out. And at that moment, a bright flash occurs. The shape vanishes and I can finally move again. I look over at Bradham and he's sound asleep. Needless to say, I didn't sleep very well that night and Bradham didn't remember any of it the next day. I actually have a lot more stories, mostly involving sleep paralysis and shadow people. Hope you all read this on the podcast. Well, you are very welcome. I know it's long, but it's hella scary. Uh, I totally agree, but it's not. Uh, I agree that it's hella scary, although it's not hella long. This was actually really well written and concise. Love you guys. Keep up the good work. Bye from Darren. Yeah. That like that definitely sounds familiar to things I heard from people growing up in in my church. Like, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like his dad was a Pentecostal teacher, a preacher rather, and and while my denomination wasn't Pentecostal, they sort of have similar. It's very proactive at like believing that like the spirit of God and evil spirits are demons rather to be specific. Like they're very much like things that are people have to deal with and and you can engage and talk to it in a way because Mm -hmm. like if if it's if it's a demon yeah invoking god gets rid of it in a way where it's like that's that's one of those things where it's like next level yeah it's 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 the sort of thing where it's like yeah definitely it's one of those things when i I have to think about when I'm trying to confront, like, what do I believe and what don't I believe? It's mm-hmm. like, I've heard plenty of like firsthand accounts of like similar, like, and then I told the demon to get out, like sort of story. Well, so, I mean, I can, I mean, do you, I always see that stuff, especially like from a Catholic background, not that mm-hmm. I'm a practicing Catholic, but I know a decent amount of it just from like my grandparents and my parents and all that stuff. Like I grew up in it sort of um that you know i always thought that the rituals of you know drinking the blood and taking the body of christ and then also the stuff as far as um exorcisms and whatnot were a i mean a like a religious form of magic so i i always wondering what's the problem then with magic magic Oh. Like what? What? What's other than the fact that it's not? Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, besides the fact that it's supposed to be because you're asking it from other gods, yeah, and it's goddesses. Anything, anything you get from a source that isn't Jesus is like bad. That's basically well, so, the the what it boiled down to for us is sort of like yeah, because like 
like uh especially when you say like getting stuff from like, other gods and goddesses it's like uh like is least... praying just a form of wish fulfillment and oh uh, yeah putting it out there yeah like manifesting 100%. like just, just focused at jesus versus focused yeah. at another source yeah a hundred percent it's two sides of the same coin which is probably why they don't get along well <laughs> yeah. two a types yeah. hanging out really attracted to each other at first and then they you know eventually <laughs> they don't want to budge and it blows them apart <laughs> yeah that's the perfect way to put it is like it is sort of wish fulfillment it's just the f the focus of where you think the power comes from is what differs interesting interesting stuff dude first of all i gotta tell you it's been so good to see your face yes. again. Yes. For people listening to the audio, we're actually doing this on Zoom just for the sake of ourselves. We don't actually post these Zoom videos, but it's nice to make eye contact. It's nice to see my friend again. Yes. It's <laughs> nice to see a real human a being. Right? I am I did not realize we have gone like almost two hours talking on this podcast yeah it's 7 45. Oh it's actually God. dark in your room right now. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't there I don't know when the moment was where I realized how dark it was. I just, because <laughs> yeah. I didn't, it was so gradual, but yeah, it is, it is, it is dark. I've got a desk lamp and a candle lit and that's all. That sounds great, actually. What a perfect time to be talking about exorcisms. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. you're one, I've got a candle as my light source and the computer. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us, uh, for joining me, Gladly. us, us. Well, no, Aristotle's here too. Joining yeah. us. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was great both seeing you as a friend again and having yes. you on as a guest co-host. Um, for folks listening to us, uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we post uh, little tidbits here and there. You can follow us over at The Untold Hour. Uh, you can also click the email um, little button there and um, if you want to send us your listener story you can do so the email can be got accessed through instagram or you can just type in the untold hour pod at gmail.com we try to read one or two um on episodes that we don't have uh interviews and um that aren't too too terribly long if you want to follow us on Twitter, again, we usually just kind of tweet, retweet crazy news, weird of the week stuff. It's just a place for people to go and um, check out new news sources or post their own. Our Twitter handle is at untoldourpod. That is it. You can find us there. But may I suggest above and beyond all of that, because that stuff is just quick, easy bites of social media. We have a really cool really awesome really supportive group over on our facebook group it's the untold hour podcast group i have been trying my damnedest to get them to change the url from bizarre states into the untold hour i filled out all the forms i've done it like five fucking times fuck facebook i don't get why they won't do it <laughs> <laughs> but they won't. So instead, I highly recommend you search the Untold Hour podcast group and find it that way. Um, people post stuff there all the time. There are some rules in place. I was trying to kind of unlock it and open it up for everybody so that people didn't have to wait for me to invite them, but I don't know how to do that <laughs> <laughs> anymore because Facebook changed all its settings. So bear with us. Um, in the meantime, I do go back there. I check. I upload what people want to post, um, and people can comment and talk. And it's like it's a really cool group. Um, I do need to figure out how to unlock that though, because I feel like all of the 
we've got to, I feel like all the people that were problematic and why we locked it down in the first place ha- have maybe given up. And uh, the <laughs> people that on. are really truly interested in hanging out with us and being part of a of a, a online culture are there and uh, willing to give it a shot. So yes, I'm going to try and figure that out at some point. But needless to say, it's super fun. Also, we've started a Goodreads channel. All you, you know, if you guys want to have conversations about Goodreads amongst yourselves, feel free to do so. Um, all I do is upload books that I s- suggest that I find interesting that I think you guys might think is cool. By all means, suggest your own. I want to use it as a great resource for like paranormal books, occult books, witchcraft, what have you. Uh, you know, as long as it's not anything about harming others in any way, shape, or form. Um, I guess aside from like actual true crime books, uh, that's fine. So uh, that that's kind of it. That is kind of it. So we hope to see you guys there. As always, please like. Uh, oh, wait. No, this isn't YouTube. I was like, please like and subscribe. Oh, Hit my God. Bell. Seeing your face. I was like, I think I flashbacks to Nerdist News. Me just at the teleprompter. You're like. Hey, Jess. And I'm like, please like and subscribe and hit that bell to get notified every time we go live with a new video. Um, let's talk about Marvel. Let's talk about Star Wars. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about Disney. Um, no, but seriously, uh, please leave comments anywhere that you can. Leave comments and rate us. Uh, it helps people find us a little bit easier. It helps. Listen, here's the real deal. If you give us a good comment and you give us a good ra- rating, Honest to God, at this point, it really just helps my self-esteem. Like, I'm so, like, I really just need to see some good shit. So please make me, help me. <laughs> I'm like asking you to be cool and nice and let me see some wonderful comments because I feel like garbage <laughs> outside of like doing this stuff. So uh, that would be cool. That's it. That's awkward, but um, I'm signing out. It's been, it's been great, y'all. This has been Jessica Chobot, Steven Zerwinski a.k.a. Stovetop, and Aristotle. And you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Bye. I had to jump in for that. You absolutely had to. I wanted you to. I looked at you and I was like, this is I've your cue. I've been waiting for years to jump in on that. Bye. Bye. Star Brains Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.